Hey guys, the latest addition to the Ringer Podcast Network is Winging It with Vince Carter, Kent Bazemore, and Annie Finberg of the Atlanta Hawks. Vince and Kent are going off script to offer a behind-the-scenes look at what NBA players think and talk about when their minds aren't on the court, covering everything from sports, news, and pop culture. The first episode drops December 3rd, but you can subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ringer FC. This is Donnie Kwok, East Coast Bureau Chief. I'm here with Micah Peters. What's up, Micah? Not much. How you doing, man? How's your Albanian Independence Day going? My Albanian Independence Day is going swimmingly. <laughs> Cannot say the same for Jordan Shakiri, who, you know, could Came not on. produce any any Albanian Independence Day heroics in their game against PSG. I was dying for him to come on and score because I saw so many players of Albanian descent throwing up the eagle. Throwing up the double eagle? Yes, Mustafi, Jaka, all on their uh, Instagram feeds today. So we really needed a Shakiri goal. But he didn't score. Liverpool, we just watched lose to PSG 2-1, to one, Champions, Champions League match day five. Were you watching? Yes, I was watching. And it just was like, it was almost as if Liverpool just... It, it, they weren't up for it. I mean, there were, it was kind of, I don't want to say, look, okay, lackadaisical is like, is too, is too strong a word, but PSG set up a, with a really attacking side. Um, they didn't have the steadying presence of Rabio in midfield. Uh, they opted for Di Maria instead, and they just were, you know, playing like like flying like bats out of hell. I mean, the second the second goal uh, that finished off, well, Neymar finished off in like the thirty second minute. Goal. It was amazing. It was honestly, uh, I want to say it was Mundial Mag that that made this this connection. But I mean, literally anybody could have that was watching it could have said this. It was just honestly such a. I play FIFA with the same team every every time, and I know all of the tricks, even though I'm not necessarily good, and I'm just going to press turbo and uh, spring if, if this you, counter. If you use PSG in FIFA, your results are invalid. <laughs> it's like using Golden State in NBA 2K. It's cheesy. Yeah, I could just step across half court and hoist. But um, Have I ever actually asked you, Micah, your opinion of the Jordan kits for PSG? You have asked me that, and I like I like them actually. I, I, I I'm naturally of... like averse or resistant to kind of like the hype beast encroachment into world football, but I can't deny, especially today, for some reason, those white on whites on whites. I think Liverpool were actually kind of stunned at how beautiful their opponents' kits were, and that might have affected them. <laughs> Blinded by the whiteness of their kits, <laughs> uh, Liverpool losing doesn't eliminate them uh, or doesn't eliminate their chances from making it to the knockout round. We were trying to figure this out just moments before going on air. Essentially, they have to beat Napoli. They're they're in third place in the group now uh, with six points. They have to beat Napoli 1-0 or by two or more goals. And then regardless of what PSG do against Red Star Belgrade, uh, Liverpool would then advance. So I'm seeing that 538 now gives them a chance of... 52% to Basically, make it the, the to the simplest, round of 16. The simplest way to understand this is that in two weeks' time, they have to do the business against Napoli at home. Yeah, they, they do. And Ancelotti's already said that, I think, quote, his team would be a bunch of dumbasses or something like that if they didn't make it to the knockout round. So, yeah, anyway, I mean, Napoli, like, Napoli already won today, or won today, three to one. So, they did their part. Can we... Actually, actually just take a moment to to talk about the the hysterics that the PSG players are going into at, at full time just because it, it just what was like- happening because I had my one eye on uh, the Spurs intermatch which we'll get into actually you know I didn't even set the table for the show let me do that quickly we're talking about the Champions League now but in a little bit we're going to have a Premier League roundup and a state of Spurs report a state of Spurs report with ringer contributor James York 
And then later on, our colleague Shakar Saman is going to come on to talk about our soccer watchability rankings. Anyway, back to you, Micah. Hyst- the hysterics, I kind of saw Danny Alves getting into it. What was happening? Well, I mean, like Danny Danny Alves was just being Danny Alves. I was talking about like at full time after the after the the full time. Oh, they whistle. were just going crazy, it was, like it was celebrating. Just, yeah, like Marquinhos win, jumping into into Chupo Moting's arms and Tuchel like immediately after he does the the requisite he, handshake with Klopp. You're like begrudging them their happiness. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm like. The relief over, oh, thank God this isn't, we aren't going to be in the Europa League, maybe, is is honestly, after spending as much as they did to to dominate the Champions League, and then I, I'm upset about the Liverpool result because it would have been just the best joke ever. I mean, if, the, if they had won. Imagine the banter if, if yeah. PSG goes to the Europa League. PSG now, 538 gives them a 78% chance of making it through. Um, elsewhere today, we're going to talk about Spurs with James York in a second, but they did keep their hopes alive. 80th minute Christian Eriksen goal. That was actually a pretty awesome goal as well. Yeah. And it was ex- Sissoko redemption tour continues. <laughs> Sissoko, uh, and I, they were saying on the, the broadcast, the, they were talking about the run that, well, basically the way the, the, the goal was set up is that Sissoko did as he has been doing this season, which is just kind of pick it up near the halfway line and just charge just into run the box. Forward. Yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, he did that all during the Euros too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, normally, ordinarily, I would take offense to uh, like a color commentator using words like desire and strength with a black player, but it mm-hmm. seems just like, I don't know how else, because it's not exactly pretty looking. And yeah. I mean, like it is technically adept, but you really do think of words like charging and powering forward when you watch him do things. We'll get more into Spurs later, but uh, for the Champions League to make it to the round of 16, I think they just have to beat Barcelona. Only you have to beat Barcelona, nothing well, big. Only right? Barcelona, but, you know. But just... Barcelona's are obviously already qualified, so conceivably or theoretically, they're going to field a, you know, a B team perhaps. But it's at the new Camp. I think five thirty eight's giving Spurs forty five percent. I think it was twenty percent at the start of the day, so well, they've doubled their chances. Yeah, you know, uh, it's all you got to do is go to the new Camp and and come away with uh, with a result. You know, yeah. a, be a win, hard. a win. So of the 16 to make it to the knockout round, 11 are set, including your United. How, how did you feel? What, what was your reaction when Fellini put that one in at the death yesterday? <sighs> did you throw a water bottle on the ground? You mean like an entire rack of water bottles? Yes, oh, an entire- <laughs> I, I did. I, I did do that. And, you know, it was indistinguishable from afar to tell whether or not I had just won or lost a game. City and United are through. Both Madrid teams are through. Roma's through. Bayern, Juve, Porto, Schalke, Adlet, uh, Barcelona, as mentioned. Ajax to the knockout round for the first time in 13 years. Uh, anything grab your attention from uh, yesterday's Champions League? Uh, yesterday's Champions League. Um, Frankie de Jong is the future, as we have established multiple times on this podcast. Damn. Um, uh, R.I.P. Ryan O'Hanlon. R.I.P. in peace, Ryan O'Hanlon. Also, Leon versus Manchester City. Best game yesterday. Also, so relieved that Memphis Depay, after his Instagram video, uh, where he... Yeah, tell us, what was the Instagram video? He was, like, me, rapping or yo, something, right? listen, uh, Memphis Depay's rap career is... Honestly, one of my favorite things to check up on. But the shoulder shimmy at the very beginning of the video, wearing this kind of like sequin leather jacket uh, with tassels on it. <laughs> and is, is he still dating or is he married to Steve Harvey's daughter? Is it, Are they married? I, I don't know. Are they still, are they know. married? Because they uh, were engaged. Somebody hit us on Twitter really to verify that. Engagement, but... Um, in any case, uh, the media machine had already started up against him, like how, you know, like it, look at the state of things and then, you know, turns in a great performance, gets two assists. We need, we need Leon to make it to the knockout round. They haven't s- sealed it yet. Uh, Donetsk, Shakhtar Donetsk still has a chance to pip them at the end. But judging from the performances of the two matches against City, they deserve to be there. 
Or maybe they're just City's bogey team. Maybe City's uh, bogey league is Ligue 1. Because, I mean, like it was AS Monaco and now it's, now it's Lyon. Good point. Also, we have to bring up just... Inter's consolation is just the entire story with uh, Raja Nangalam, who kind of pushed back against his bad boy reputation this week when there was... Uh, you know, ocular proof that he had been smoking and drinking on the internet. And he had to say... Not not for the first time, right? Not for the first time, but he was talking to France football. He said, I can tell you that I am a normal person and not a bad boy as many people label me. I can walk about in the worst neighborhoods and live in a normal way. I can accept... <laughs> first of all, just just a break. He's good, he's good in any hood. In the worst of neighborhoods. <laughs> he said he bobs his head and stomps his feet in any hood. He's stamped. Um, you know, giant neck tattoo that says that I restore motorcycles on the weekends. But I can accept the favors that are given to the players, but it does not mean that I look for them. I shop at the supermarket. I can drink and smoke a cigarette with serenity. <laughs> even a footballer wow. can smoke, even if they do ha- do not have a quote-unquote normal job. What a beauty. Shout out well, I mean, It's already been proven that cigarette smoking doesn't necessarily hinder your performance on the soccer pitch. Case in point, cases in point, Zinedine Zidane, Wayne Rooney, Ashley Cole, Jack Wilshire, basically check Ches- like all of all Dimitar of Berbatov. The the <laughs> all of my, some of my favorite players are just, you know, smoking smokers. eating cartons of cigarettes at halftime. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I would recommend it per se, but it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, I mean, like, imagine if Zidane didn't smoke. He'd almost be too powerful. <laughs> right? It's like his own little kind of, like, uh, handicap. Now we'd like to bring in regular contributor James York calling live from London. Is it, James? I'm not in London. I'm in England. <laughs> Hello, all. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? Uh, I mean, I'm on the Welsh borders, uh, which is, oh, okay. yeah, a little bit, little bit remote, but... It's okay. I'll get a good view from out here. You're going to have to be specific because Donnie doesn't do great with geography. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, go, go west from London for about 100 miles. <laughs> go west from London for about... I think he's trying to be a little dodgy and not tell us exactly where he is. He might be on the run. <laughs> it's a place called Ross and Wine, Herefordshire. That's very small. If, if people came here, he'd probably find me really easily. So, yeah. <laughs> Giving away my exactly. location, it's not, like, it's not like London. You wouldn't find me if I was there. Anyway, James today published, we published a piece by James about Spurs and Spurs actually just played as we talked about against Inter. What did you make of the match, James? Yeah, I was quite pleased they won because, uh, you know, that was... <laughs> it would have rendered your piece obsolete had they lost, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the emphasis of the piece was that they, they potentially turned the corner and uh, after, you know, rather impressive victory against Chelsea at the weekend and it was a grind tonight. They really had to kind of knuckle down and... Um, and then the Renaissance man, Musa Sissoko, um, bombed down the right flank, nips it into Deli Alley, who uh, turned and laid it into Ericsson's path, who uh, got the winner. And then they kind of played out time, which is, I dislike watching Tottenham play out time, although they, you know, they probably, <laughs> probably aren't too bad at it, but it's always a bit edgy. And uh, now all they have to do is go to Barcelona and beat them. So that's fine. <laughs> Did you? Did you even? Did you guys, uh, both of you guys, like see the goal coming? Because it seemed like the Spurs against the to do would would have been to yeah to just get held to the nil nil draw because it was like it was kind of frustrating. I mean, I'm watching as a neutral, um, but I'm, I can imagine for a Spurs fan watching it for the first eighty minutes before the goal came, it was kind of dire. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen Spurs do this quite a lot. It's kind of Pochettino thing. They they really do like just keep prodding and probing and i think the game looks as though it could have could have drifted away in in the minutes beforehand um but yeah you, you know they they they're going to keep going they're going to keep running and they're going to carve out the odd chance and obviously it was it was an absolute guilt edge chance that that came their way in the end and yeah like i say barcelona have qualified now so like who knows what kind of team they're going to put out in the in the final match um, right. And Inter have kind of let their let their advantageous position slide. So yeah, pulling back and and taking the longer view of of Spurs as you did in your piece, this being Pochettino's 
what, fifth full season now uh, at the club. It's kind of been like a half empty, half full perspective, I guess, when you look at Spurs. This year, this is their best Premier League start ever. I think they're third, 30 points. And yet people seem to be, you know, are they title contenders? Are they not title contenders? Should they have bought players? You know, like, uh, are they ever going to, is Pochettino ever going to win a trophy? I mean, maybe you can get, get into a little bit about the questions that are swirling around Spurs. When are they going to move into their new stadium? You touch on all of these <laughs> things in your article, but uh, it's kind of interesting because they're a little bit outside of that title conversation and they've been consistent this season. You know, as you point out in your article, winning a lot of one goal matches. Uh, but it seems to be like a mix of, optimism and pessimism all in one when you talk about Spurs. Yeah, I think I think people who've watched watched them will definitely get the picture that you know they haven't been firing on all cylinders. A lot of injuries come out seem to have come off the back of the World Cup. A lot of their players went deep into the World Cup. So the summer was a bit of a kind of mishmash for for preparation for the season. And that's the thing, even though they've had this fantastic start and you know won 10 out of 13 games and look like they're contending, there's this I don't know, you'd have to be a real true believer to actually think that they could contend with Man City, particularly Man City. I mean, Liverpool have looked decent in the league as well, but Man City, just they're on another plane. And, um, you know, Tottenham are in the mix kind of with Chelsea and maybe if Liverpool drop off slightly then uh, for, uh, you know, the kind of fourth top four positions. Um, obviously, they didn't buy any players in the summer and that's... It's kind of it's, it's meant that a couple of people ended up being empowered, like one fourth of the Argentinian centre back, um, who <laughs> wasn't even registered for the Champions League, so didn't figure tonight at all. Right, mm-hmm. um, has ended up playing some matches, and he's in the Argentinian national team now. And and you know th- these are the funny little things that happen because no new players came in, no stars were bought in the summer. It feels like there's. Um, there are kind of opportunities for players like that to maybe kind of make a make a play. Even Moussa Sissoko, who's you know suddenly found found his form for the first time since he's been at the club, um, you'd have imagined might have been a kind of player that had the Spurs gone out and bought you know the central midfielder that they look like they're crying out to buy. Um, might have seen his his minutes kind of reduced, but you know the, these guys are getting playing time now because um, the squad's kind of it's kind of had to make do really and like I say injuries again have impacted so I feel like there's a kind of a and Micah maybe you can speak to this too like an obsession that we have as fans or as media with new new signings and new buys well I, I was watching actually I don't remember some pundit was saying this is an exact quote watching this Spurs team I can't help but wonder how good they would be had they spent money this summer and I feel like that's kind of like a that's definitely a half-empty way to look at a team. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's just that you would think that, say, I don't know, criticism with United at the moment is just, like, they should use the squad players they already have. They should coach, and then Tottenham is doing those things, but it's, you know, also runs counter to, like, the fundamental promise of the offseason in the Premier League, which is that there are going to be signings announced. There's going to be weird announcement videos where where Saw and, and then uh, Lucas Moore are dapping each other up in the hallway. There's supposed to be things like that. And then the, Tottenham has just eschewed all of that. And it's it's an entirely new phenomenon. And yeah, I mean, like it is a glass half empty way to look at it, but... Uh, I don't know. How else do you look at it? There's nothing else to really compare it to. As you know, as, as fans, like transfers are fun, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is you know, yeah. sport is at least entertainment, <laughs> and <laughs> transfers are completely part of that. So you know, when your club is uh, when a club goes through an entire summer about any players whatsoever, it's a lot of like kind of thought and energy has gone on in the fan base, uh, and to to not satisfy it in any way, what shape or form. It's a pretty new strategy to kind of, uh, yeah, ups, upset the fan base a little bit. You know, they they like their new to- new toys, new players kind of thing. You mentioned, James, like some of the places where Spurs can fortify, like in the midfield. Um, but Ali, Son, and Kane are all signed long-term, I believe. It's Ericsson that's kind of the question mark. Of course, he's the one that scored today and was so influential against Chelsea over the weekend. What mm-hmm. do you think the chances are? Of, I mean, for a long time, uh, Daniel Levy and Spurs, it's kind of been, the reputation has been, he's been very prudent in the transfer market and also kind of stingy in, in the salary, in the wages. And for that reason, yeah, 
Ericsson has been kind of, seems like he might be leaving. Yeah, I mean, he's shown no sign that he wants to leave um, as yet, but you could quite understand if he would want to because, you know, he's coming up 27 years old. Um, he's been at Tottenham for, I think, five years um, and maybe he wants to win some trophies. Uh, there was the idea that when Kyle Walker left and won the Premier League straight away at Man City, which is that, you know, other Tottenham players might might feel similarly. But I think it's almost like the cult of Pochettino has meant that uh, a few of the players are, are quite happy to, you know, believe that he can actually, you know, create uh, success and trophies for Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it's really hard to get a read on the Ericsson situation. He's got 18 months left on his contract. And yeah, I mean, you'd want him to stay, obviously. I mean, he, he could he could literally play for any any team in Europe and just kind of like ping the ball around in midfield and be and be quietly creative and just not knit things together. I can't see him uh, getting through this summer without signing a new contract. I mean, one of what funny enough, one of, related to the uh, transfer situation, they've let Musa um, Dembele get into his last year's contract, and Daniel Levy, Levy never does that. He literally never lets a player get into the last year of their contracts and let them leave for a free, you know, potentially. Uh, so the fact that Ericsson, who will have a significantly larger value than uh, someone like Musa Dembele, who's 31, opposed to 27 and in his prime, um, uh, just makes you think that their hands will be forced in the next six months. And realistically, they should put as much money as they can on the table and try and lock down Ericsson, try and give him some, you know, if, if you're going to give any player market rate, um, then Ali, Kane and Ericsson, uh, you know, the three players that you'd probably pick out of the entire team. Yeah. And also, uh, you kind of mentioned this in your piece um, when you were talking about uh, Dembele being a very old 31-year-old owing to injuries and hundreds of games on his legs. Um, He does a very specific job for Tottenham, and it's not one that is an easy one-to-one replacement. You said that like maybe a more attacking-minded player against like a side Eric Dyer would be uh, ideal. Do you have anybody in mind when you write that? Um, I don't know. I think someone who, someone who fits a similar profile. I mean, you're, not gonna, you're simply not going to go out and buy Musa Dembele the second. I'm yeah. not sure if they really exist. You know, there's barely a player in world football who's as resistant to uh, defensive pressure and tackles and such. So, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. A player that I quite liked in the in the summer was Fabian Ruiz, and um, he went to Italy. He was playing in Spain. And he went to Italy, and there are a few players like that. I think that that moved. Um, I know Lionel. Lionel have got um, was it Tangi Ndombele, who's a very uh, talented looking sort. Um, players don't come cheap out of Lyon. That's, that's the, and <laughs> they've got a history of dealing with Tottenham and uh, deals being hard to make. So you know, he could end up anywhere um i don't i it's 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 very hard to know that the best way forward and i don't think i would look for a specific like for like dembele replacement as i say Mm. and through all of this i guess the manager pacatino is obviously a very if not the most important piece of all of it um let's say there's an enticing opening at old trafford next season (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, or even at Real Madrid, do you really think Santiago Solari is going to keep the long-term job for that long? Yeah, you, you'd think he'd, he'd really have to pick things up quickly to yeah. to kind of keep keep that job uh, going, and maybe a star name could come in. Um, Pochettino's he's really got his feet under the sofa. Uh, he's he's so comfortable in Tottenham. You know, he's got a vast amount of control in what he does, and he really does seem to love his work. Um, that's why when the Madrid came job came up, in, you know, a couple of weeks back or so, you really thought it would be incredibly unlikely for him to actually want to go in there and try and pick up someone else's mess in the middle of a, a season. You know, even if he did eventually go, and he, I'm sure, I think there was a report out earlier uh, today in London Even Standard saying that he thought he'd maybe like to go and work in Italy one day, you know, as a kind of far off suggestion. But he really would want. Uh, uh, control and uh, power within uh, whatever club that he does go to, and that he might not find that so readily available in a club, say like uh, Real Madrid or you know one of the mega clubs where you've got kind of owner influence being a little bit stronger. He really has been supported by Daniel Levy and um, has thrived in the situation. And yet, and yet, as you write in your piece, James, trophies remain the currency of fandom. 
<laughs> yeah, of course. Do, do you actually do you subscribe to that notion though that unless he wins a trophy or until he wins a trophy, he isn't exactly thriving or it can't it can't really be labeled a full success? Um, I think it's so it's so difficult in in the you know if you're a decent sized Premier League any of the top six Premier League clubs now it's really hard to actually find a trophy to pick up and I'm sure you know the rest of the uh, the top six sides have shared them around maybe Liverpool have been a little bit bereft of um, trophies more so in in recent seasons but I wouldn't call it um, a, a failure in any way the fact that he has overseen Tottenham becoming a kind of consistent top four force um, in this era is testimony to his ability and um, his skill in getting the absolute best out of his players and creating a unified group um, to that works effectively together. It's, yeah, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're down the pub with your friends and they want to want to take the mick out yeah. of Tottenham, then there's <laughs> always going to be, you know, the, well, when's he going to win a trophy thing? It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, we, we use the same stick to beat Klopp with too. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, it's just difficult trophies? to tell exactly how exactly how much progress has been made just because it's measured in i guess if you're a smart and reasonable person talking about this changing the idea of spursiness like it's this isn't the same tottenham of the harry redknapp era but it's kind of also like difficult to talk about how this team is successful in any indefinite terms because i mean like take November this time last year, coming off of a 1-0 loss to United and then beating Real Madrid 3-1. to um, Those two results taken together are just kind of like, Tottenham is definitely a big club at this point. Like, Mourinho had to use negative tac- tactics against them, and they beat a Madrid side fielding a midfield that wasn't, you know, their first choice even. And then now it's like two wins together, and it's just kind of like, how long can they keep this up? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to like you know, back this up a, li- a little bit more. You know, massive game at the weekend against Arsenal as well. Um, they've got a fairly well. They won. They lost the return fixture last uh, last season, but won the uh, won the home game. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to do. Just quick aside on uh, the Redknapp era, which was you know <laughs> <laughs> widely widely considered a success and was you know not unsuccessful at all. Uh, I, I think my frustration looking back on it now is that they had a. Gareth Bale and Luka Modric, who've obviously gone on to very much star yeah. for Madrid. And he read that pretty much built his team around Raphael van der Vaart, who basically got <laughs> subbed off every every uh, uh, every match after about 60 minutes, but was loved by the fans. So, yeah, hindsight can be an interesting <laughs> thing. Spurs have finished third, second and third in the last three seasons. What do you guys think they're going to finish this season? Hmm, I think... And, and are they the best team in London? Wow. I honestly want to say third again, <laughs> just because I can't see anybody. I can't see anybody but Liverpool and City finishing one and two. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. The one and two part, anyway. I think I think Chelsea will still go around and smash up all the uh, you know smaller teams just by passing them into a coma, and um, yeah, <laughs> they, they'll they'll pick up a lot of points. Um, yeah, you mentioned James, like the schedule. The schedule's favorable for them after this North London derby. And yeah, it really home, is. It, home games. it really opens up. Um, like loads of games are cost uh, December in the Christmas period, as as is the the way of the Premier League. And I think they play Man United on January the twelfth, and that's it till about near enough the end of February of of matches where they're not going to be like considered, you know, betting favourites to to win the game. So, you know, if if you know they can just get their house in order and and play as they did against Chelsea, then they have really got a good good platform to. Um, you know, make make up quite a few points and just stabilize themselves within the kind of top four positions. Uh, while I have you, James, we do a quick Premier League roundup. Uh, Spurs opponents this weekend again at Arsenal. Seventeen matches unbeaten. What do you make of this? Uh, everyone talking about Ozil being dropped for their Bournemouth match. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's your what's your Ozil take actually? I I think he's great. I mean it. it it's hard to say that he's he's hit his top form this season, and um, I can see why um, Emery might want to mix his midfield up. 
it's one game. You know, if, if Ozil misses three or four games, then you're going to start to wonder what's going on there. Kind of like with Man United, Sanchez has been on the bench quite a lot, and you think, right, okay, you're paying this guy a very large amount of money just to, you've only signed him recently. You know, Ozil's only had a recent new, new contract. You want to get some value out of him, you want to be playing him. Um, Ozil's tended, he has missed the odd game, even in the Wenger um, era. So I, I don't think I'd have too many concerns about that. Intrinsically, and he'll always he'll always be a uh, a guy that can contribute, you know, even if off the bench and you know, later on in his career, he's, he's got such immense natural ability. Um, I wouldn't have any concerns about that. Yeah, I'd be, but I think in the Wenger era, if he missed a match, it was usually because of quote unquote illness or something. I mean, he, of, but yeah, but you're you're right though. You know, what's the the quote unquote kind of thing going on? Like, why <laughs> why is he out? You always kind of he has a weak that. disposition. <laughs> It's <laughs> just like, look at you just out here in the world looking for a hand to hold somebody to tell you that Ozil's trash. It's just, <laughs> it's it's not happening. <laughs> uh, spe- speaking yeah. of contracts, Angolo Conte uh, just re-upped, reported 300K per week. That's almost as much as Mesut Ozil makes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people were talking uh, that Sorry Ball was exposed actually back to Spurs when Spurs beat him over the weekend. And and sorry, actually just came out recently and had he singled out Conte for criticism because a lot, so many people have been calling for Conte to p- be back in his usual sort of destroyer position instead of further up. And sorry, criticizing kind of, Conte for that is it's kind is, of I thought it was an odd decision for him to do that. It's, yeah. it's not really the right person to criticize. I mean, he's he's trying his level best in a position that he probably hasn't played since he was uh, back in the French League Two or something. Yeah, and um, he's obviously a very talented player, but. Sorry, system just doesn't have a, def- a <laughs> sorry, unbelievably no, I mean, sorry system doesn't have a world class defensive midfielder position uh, of, of his ilk. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> does it then seem odd to sign Conte for five years? Yeah, if, he, if, if he's out so. of position, I'm just I just want to like we just got to highlight the fact that okay, so basically Deli Ali was man marking Jorginho, and it's remarkable how totally that just fucks up Chelsea's game plan. And then you also have, you know, like Conte roaming around out of position and also having like a long history of being able to deal with those specific pressures that Jorginho was buckling under in that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's honestly just yeah, yeah, it's ass backwards is what it is. I think Sari must just be frustrated though because he probably has been asked that question every press conference he's had all season. Totally. Yeah, he's totally. probably just just snaps like, look, this I play this way. Jorginho's my guy. You know, Fabregas will probably replace him if 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 um, Jorginho's not fit for some reason. This is my style. Yeah, get used to it. And of course, you know, it did ramp up after the Spurs game, and you know, they kind of exposed weaknesses there. But they, we saw those same weaknesses again when they played Arsenal, and uh, they. Kind of ripped them apart at times. Even despite the fact that Chelsea won the game, they were they were still Arsenal created plenty of good chances, kind of high up the pitch. And yeah, I mean, Sarri's early days. He's, he's got he's got stuff to work out. And you can't, I, I guess it, you should keep Kante as part of your squad, and he will be able to contribute. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea to flip him for someone else, but working on how to fit him in is is obviously going to be a bit of a challenge too. Speaking of touchiness to the press uh, Micah your man Jose Mourinho uh, before <laughs> I think it was before the match against Palace the nil-nil draw he called out Marshall Rashford Luke Shaw Jesse Lingard calling them immature and spoiled I actually have to agree with him on this not those four players in particular because obviously I don't know them personally but just overall younger players are spoiled and immature in this era agree or disagree uh, I think that you sound like you're a thousand years old, and uh, <laughs> I also find those things to be, on the whole, like on balance over time, uh, completely baseless. So, um, yeah, I, I think that. But I, I think his the point that he was making the, the point that he was making is that these young guys, these players, that, I mean, you could probably include Pogba in that mix. Players that are twenty five, twenty four, and under are influenced by so many different people, so many different voices. I mean, you, I guess you can see that in, in all professional sports, really, but they have handlers and agents and PR people. I think that that would probably be a, like a fair criticism in a vacuum, but not taken in the context of Mourinho in general, which is, you know, like this is just another comment to cast off um, 
any questions that might arise about the fact that he cannot fucking coach this team. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's, I, I don't think that, you know, as to whether or not these players are immature and spoiled, I, I don't know, maybe, but not, it's certainly not the most pressing thing. He's fighting the world, isn't he, Marie? Yeah. That's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Whispers now that Marco Arnautovic could be in uh, January transfer. James, would you rather have Arnautovic or Lukaku? Arnautovic to United? Oh, my God. I, that, it's not something I'd particularly considered. Um, I'd stick with Lukaku, I think. I, I, Arnautovic. To be mean to Arnautovic, he's just kind of like low range to Latin, isn't he? I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's harsh as well. We, but... We've called him that on this very pod. Yeah. Have you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's such an obvious comparison. I, I, I apologize for repeating it. I, Store I, brands, never... Latin, yeah. And uh, yeah, they are proper's like just get proper's Latin. He's he's got a bit of time on his hands. <laughs> I think proper's Latin <laughs> is reportedly going to AC Milan. Report <laughs> reportedly, he's just gonna be like banging in worldies at age fifty. It's just never gonna be over. Let's quickly round up Newcastle three in a row. Break up Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> What's wrong with Burnley? Burnley has. Well, I mean, okay, so Burnley's identity uh, from last season when we were, you know, like praising Sean Diche every week on this podcast <laughs> um, was just that, like, their defensive solidity. I mean, like, they let in 30, they allowed 39 goals all last season. We are now 13 games into this Premier League season. They've conceded 27, which is just a little more than two per game. Uh after this Newcastle 2-1 loss, I mean. So, I don't know. I, I feel like the thing that's going on with Dice is just the second season Rob Ryan syndrome. It's just kind of like, it's only so exciting to have your safety blitz for one season, and then every offense figures it out um, the next season. So, nothing has fundamentally changed. They can't just keep hoofing the ball up top. You know, it's something has to change. I don't know why they signed Joe Hart. To be honest, they uh, they've they had good they've got good keepers, and then they signed Joe Hart, who has not not covered himself in glory in recent seasons, and kind of become a bit of a wanderer in his post Man City era. Um, yeah, the, the, I, I'm a stats guy. Burnley's numbers don't look very good. They don't <laughs> often look very good, and they tend to get something out of it. So, uh, yeah, really hard to know which way they, they're they're going to kind of turn this season but so far it hasn't been very pretty I think it's going to be actually a pretty fascinating relegation battle this year uh, we're looking right now at five teams less than 10 points going from 16 down it's Palace Burnley Southampton Cardiff and Fulham people had already kind of written in pen that Cardiff were going down but they've kind of been a little feistier than you know uh, people might have predicted also Neil Warnock looking to spend in the January transfer window which I don't know what that's going to do, but sure. What do, what do you guys think about uh, Ranieri uh, coming to Fulham to rescue them? They're bottom now, but they just won their, you know, uh, in Ranieri's debut, they won. A lot of talent on the team, a little bit of a shaky defense. I, I mean, think he's got, a rec he's got a record of actually coming into uh, clubs and, and making quite a quick impact. So he, he's probably an ideal fit just to have a run at trying to stay up this season and then see what happens next season. But... Yeah, it could, it could go either way. I mean, he wrote, it's only three years since he won the title, or even two years since he won the title. So, uh, pedigree wise, it's hard to argue with him. Yeah, I mean, like if you spend, if you already spent a hundred mil uh, on a you know new side uh, for your new Premier League season, uh, you could do worse than to hire the quote unquote tinker man uh, to to fix things for you. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, anyway, the way the table looks today is going to be vastly different, I would imagine. Well, maybe not at the top, but. This we're heading into December, and there's each team is going to be playing like seven to eight matches in this month. So it's uh, good, isn't it? It's good. Yeah. Loads of games. <laughs> we look forward it's to a, some some turmoil, some 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 swapping of places, some wobbles, some wobbles. But James, you still think City are going to win, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're just wildly superior to the rest of the rest of the league, and possibly even better than last year, which was is almost unfathomable to kind of imagine when you consider is how it getting is it getting actually. boring it, 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 
we've had quite a few seasons. Uh, like Chelsea won the league a couple of years back, and they were they went kind of ahead and stayed ahead the whole season, and the and the the fight didn't quite um, come to be. And even even Leicester's season that that kind of meandered towards the end. I think the last really good kind of like battle was possibly. 2013-14 where Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea were all kind of really in the mix till last two or three games of the season so it's just the Premier League it's, <laughs> sometimes one team just pulls clear and uh, you know you just got to kind of sit back and enjoy it really I suppose on that note thank you for joining us James hopefully you'll come back on with us later in the season yeah sure thing anytime let's know thanks James we're going to take a break and come back with Shocker and the Soccer Watchability Rankings Do you wake up feeling achy, easily distracted, or forgetting things? A quality night's sleep makes all the difference, and the right mattress is key to getting the proper rest instead of just laying down. The Lisa mattress is the product of 30 years of experience and hundreds of hours of rigorous product testing. Designed for body contouring and pressure relief, the Lisa mattress is perfect for all sleepers. Shop conveniently online with free shipping and 100 nights to try the mattress in your own home. The Lisa mattress is backed by more than 12,000 five-star reviews and loved by more than 300,000 happy sleepers. Lisa also donates one mattress for every 10 sold so you can sleep easy and feel good about your purchase. Seriously, I have one of these in my own apartment and it's like sleeping on a cloud. I, I feel more alert. I feel like I can have a conversation about soccer and music on the same day and also finish, you know, I hope my editor isn't listening to this, but also finish my pieces on time. Right now, get $150 off the Lisa mattress plus a free pillow at lisa.com slash FC and enter promo code FC at checkout. This is Lisa's best offer at lisa.com slash FC promo code FC. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash FC promo code FC. And we're back. I'm here. Well, Mike is still here. Shocker Saman is here. What's going on, y'all? His first cap for Ringer FC. What's feeling, going down? It's it's a big day. I, I called home to, to tell them about this. I'm going to wear my national flag out the door when I go back to the other office. It's great. I got a question it, for you. Which obscure like jersey are you wearing right now? He's this actually instant? wearing a blue sweater. Really? A blue sweater, but under it, I'm wearing a Johan Cruyff jersey from 1972. <laughs> it, it was never used in a game. I just found it on the street one day, and now it's my favorite shirt. Wow. Incredible. You know, in Ryan, in Ryan O'Hanlon's absence, we haven't had... Uh, those hits of statistical, uh, what's the word? Of we haven't had a stat god, <laughs> and so that's why we're asking Shocker on here because uh, at the Ringer we've been doing this series. Well, actually, I should give a shout out to Zach Cram because he's the one that kind of shepherding this soccer watchability rankings. So we have Shocker on here to help explain first of all explain what the soccer watchability rankings are yeah so coming into the season uh xg god ryan o'hanlon and uh stat r.i.p r.i.p and uh stat god zach cram and i came together really they they were the shepherds of it and decided we wanted a way to kind of quantify or have some sort of numerical ability to look at what makes the fun teams most fun and so we kind of put together this this formula where we look at four contributing factors. Dribbles, because, you know, teams that try to dribble past you are fun. It's Russell <laughs> Westbrook. It's great. Uh, deep completions, so passes that are completed within 20 yards of the goal, not including crosses. Really, we like that because better than passes, because a lot of passes are fun, unless you get a situation where it's like Spain versus Russia in the World Cup, and you get tiki-taka that goes nowhere. We you, want stuff you, near the goal. You want, And also, you want to be packing. For sure. Yeah, of course. I know how you love packing. <laughs> I love I love packing. Love packing. Yeah. Uh, I love packing. Okay, keep going. Yeah, sorry. Uh, So the next one was uh, passes allowed per defensive action, PPDA, uh, in the opposition half. Basically, it's a metric to find out which teams are pressing. We don't want, we don't think that teams that sit back and absorb pace or absorb the ball are as fun as guys who are just, you know, going at it all the time. Wait, let's take a breath here because I've actually seen that acronym before. PPDA. It stands for? Uh, Passes allowed per defensive action. And in this case, in the opposition half. So basically, the higher it is, the more pressing of a no, team. No, so the lower it is. The so lower it, it is. It measures how quickly a club lets the opposition circulate possession before engaging in a tackle, interception, challenge, or a foul. Gotcha. So like last season, Manchester City had the lowest PPDA in Europe because 
the second another team had the ball, they were right on top of it. Right, right. Whereas a team like Brighton or Swansea and the like, you know, your lowly Premier League teams, they just sit back, they absorb the pace, doesn't really work out so well for them, and it's pretty boring to watch. So basically, it this watchability ranking favors pressing teams and I guess it suggests that the more you press, the more watchable you are as one data point. Sure. Yeah. As one of the data points, we just thought that it's just more fun to watch a team try than yeah. to sit back and wait. <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, and then the last one is expected goals. And I know you love expected goals, Donnie. It's your favorite stat. <laughs> XG God. XG God. RIP. Wait, yeah, uh, is, it, is, are, is expected goals your favorite stat? Or is, I thought it was packing now. Packing is your favorite stat. <laughs> well, packing's not one of the four stats here. He goes back and forth. Yeah. Okay. It's like picking between his children. He can't choose one he loves the most. Uh, last though, expected goals. Um, it's simple. If you're taking good shots, it's more fun. More goals happen. Goals are good. You know, there should be a fifth criteria. Which what would is you suggest? Kit. Kit? Because <laughs> kit, Naturally. you know, watchability, you know, like how attractive your kit is does contribute to your watchability. Am I right? I mean, we've talked about some, and I'll get into one uh, kind of new variable I want to add when I talk about Manchester City, or Manchester United, pardon, in a minute or two. But yeah, so we put out these new rankings. Uh, okay, so the soccer watchability rankings was a, we introduced it at the start of the season yeah, right and, and the season. you're updating it now or it's being updated how frequently? Uh, so Zach Cram crunches the numbers. Uh, earlier in the season, we we're doing a little more frequently uh, after every single game week. Uh, now, because of some international break stuff, some logistical stuff on our end, uh, this is our first update in about a month. So everybody the- Google soccer watchability ringer yes, and sir. you'll bring it up. Yeah, I got and, this nice little table here. And so it was just updated updated this week. Yes. And I guess you're here to tell us some of the interesting tidbits from this uh, iteration or this update. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Uh, Shoot. All right. So number one is Manchester City. Easy yeah. to predict. Manchester City, number one. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the top 10. How's that? Do it. City's one. PSG's two. Barcelona, three. A little bit of a surprise. They've been number one in the rankings all four years that we have the data available for. And by a pretty large margin. Now they're in three by about the same margin. Crisis at Camp Nou. Uh, four is Bayern Munich. Five is Real Madrid. Six, Hoffenheim. Wow. Hoffenheim, kind of exciting, to be completely honest right now. So they're the surprise of the new ranking. They're coming in at six, just behind Bayern, Bayern and Real, just ahead of Chelsea and Juve. Their manager, Julian Nagelsmann, uh, is headed to Leipzig at the end of the year, so this may come to an end soon. Uh, the year before he got there, they were 48th in watchability. In his first season, in 2016-17, they were 24th. Uh, this year's been kind of interesting. They started the uh, started the end of September at 29th, and now they're sixth. But how they got there is also sort of interesting, considering that they're sixth overall on the table in Bundesliga. Um, Hoffenheim is kind of like the Oklahoma Sooners of the Bundesliga. Whoa, love offense. Uh, sh- Wait, so is that a college football analogy? That is a college football analogy. I do both footballs, Donnie. Uh, well, gotcha, gotcha. yeah, man. Uh, they uh, per Omar Chaudhary from uh, the 21st Club. We use a lot of his stuff around here. Uh, they have the 10th best attack in the world, but the 95th best defense. They only it, care about one side of the ball. That's, that's watchable, I, though. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I was going to say that. Shout out Reese Nelson. Like, <laughs> Hoffenheim being as high as they are in these watchability rankings also has to do with just, like, rank unpredictability of watching them. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, I mean, I mean just like look at their Champions games. League match yesterday. Yeah. They lost to D- Donetsk at the death, I think, but it was three to two and it was back and forth. Honestly, kind of, kind of what you get. Look at their, uh, their, their, their Bundesliga match over the weekend against, uh, Hertha Berlin because that match started in with a, with a goal in the first minute from, uh, Dimmerbay. That was his name. Yeah. Kieran Dimmerbay. I, and I'm absolutely like butchering the pronunciation there, but Andre Comrade <laughs> scored in the 10th minute. And the official assist came from the goalkeeper, Oliver Bauman, who had a sliding clearance from the top of his box. So, and then that game uh, finished 3-3. So that's just art. Yeah. That's just art. So if you see Hoffenheim in your live soccer TV listings, seek out their games. All right, let's continue. Yeah, continuing. Uh, So, you know, 7th through 10th, Chelsea, Juve, Atalanta, who is surprisingly always towards the top of these rankings, and uh, RB Leipzig. Wait, let's let's double-click on Atalanta. That's not Atlanta United, mind you. Atalanta from Syria. Why are they so watchable? Uh, I actually don't know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and they've had a weird kind of rise. So in 2014-15, the first year our data is available, they were 81st out of 98 teams, and then 60th, and then 23rd, and then 12th last season. Right now, if you look at Atalanta's numbers in our big fancy spreadsheet, uh, they're, you know, above average in everything. They have a pretty high XG. They have a pretty high PPDA. They just 
are a fun team. And they're ninth in the table. Ninth in the table. And that's another kind of interesting thing is so like with Hoffenheim too. Hoffenheim is sixth in the Bundesliga right now. And they've allowed more goals than any team in Germany that has a positive goal difference. But they're number one in XG. Right. They're just taking good shots. So it also shows you that watchability doesn't necessarily equate to points or For sure. table places. For sure. And in our in our numbers, we've we've got kind of a a pretty decent correlation about a point six six point six seven is our R, but it's between points and watchability. Mm-hmm. But it's still not you know a straight up one means the other will happen. Right. All right. I heard a rumor before you came in that you were going to shit on United. Uh, a little bit. All right. So, so let's, let's shit on United. So this, one, this one's for you, Micah. So at the end of September, United ranked 31st in watchability, right? So at the end of September, they ranked 31st, which is pretty low. Pretty low. You know, and especially coming in, you know, in the first season, they 14-15, they were 19th. They were 26th the year after that. And then 18th the last two seasons. So, you know, a more watchable team. They're very talented. Uh, now they're 30th, which means not only are they not fun, they're just not getting better. Mm. Uh, they have by very definition gotten better by at least one place. Thank you. <laughs> no, counterpoint. But they, it's, it's, they it's absolutely com- unwatchable. <laughs> counterpoint. They are compulsively watchable just because of the car crash shit show element and Mourinho's reactions and Lukaku and Sanchez's incompetence. I enjoy watching it. Yeah, I will say top uh, ten for me. Probably, probably the biggest failings of these watchability rankings is that we don't have an intangible section for Jose Mourinho freakouts. <laughs> that would really catapult United right into the top five. If I could just get a number of how fun it is to watch him spike a bunch of water bottles. Do you have any other uh, interesting yeah. notes from this update? Yeah, two, two more really small ones. Um, Atletico Madrid has had one of the biggest falls from year to year. They were 25th last year. 20th and 19th the two years before that they're 61st now uh i'm not surprised i fucking hate watching them but yeah yeah uh and the other one is dortmund had the biggest rise since the beginning of the year after a weirdly slow start they opened the season at 60th most watchable now they're 21st uh something's going on over there in the last month or so where they're just playing really fun soccer the arsenal are 17th yeah they're they're looking pretty good uh, if we just- and Spurs are twelfth, making this weekend's North London derby a must-watch game. Yeah, it's uh, if you look at just in Premier League rankings, uh, Tottenham are the third most fun watch watchable team in the Premier League, and Arsenal are fifth. So you know, three versus five, it's a fun game. <laughs> uh, Mike, I guess who's ranked at the? This goes to ninety-eight teams, right? Yep. Yeah, I guess Mike. I guess who's the lowest ranked, least watchable team in the major European leagues? Hmm. Burnley. It's their birthright, Micah. <laughs> yes. It's their birthright. Burnley have earned it. Nailed it. Burnley. What <sighs> happened? I mean, it's not like even in their heyday or even last year they were that watchable. No, last year they came in. Let's see where they were at. Last year, Burnley was 96th. And then in 14 15, because they won in the Premier League in 15 16, 14 15, they were 80th. So, you know, just perpetually watchable team, Burnley. Yeah. Well, actually, Shaka, while we have you, since you are an MLS fan, let's do a quick MLS update. I'm an MLS fan? I mean, since you know about MLS. All right, I can do that. Micah knows about MLS, right? Yeah, I have just... just Actually, guys, let me ask ask you this. I was invited, uh, not to humble brag or brag or anything, but MLS sent me an email to invite me to the second leg of Red Bulls Atlanta. Wow, wow, It's on Thursday. I have a question... Maybe not for you, it's a rhetorical question, or maybe if someone from MLS is listening. Why do you think they scheduled the second leg of this uh, two-legged tie on a Thursday evening in New Jersey when it's going to be like 30 degrees, when the MLS final, cup final, is not for another 10 days? Because they want to show the New York Giants they're tougher than them. <laughs> Playing the Meadowlands. Cowards. I have. I, it, it feels like it's screwing the Red Bulls over. I mean, our, the Red Bulls screwed themselves over by losing 3-0 in the first leg. But who's really going to come out to fucking Harrison, New Jersey on a Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. when it's like freezing outside? Uh, That's a tough People look. that truly love the game. That's Yeah. That seems yeah, I'm to debating. be I'm debating on it. Is- but anyway, since we last recorded, we're in the conference championships now. Atlanta won the first leg against the Red Bulls 3-0. And Sporting KC and Portland left it all to do in the second leg. Yeah. yeah, in the first leg. So, uh, Shocker, I thought you were an MLS fan. You're not really. Man, I'm from Detroit. We don't have a team. We, Atlanta would 
conceivably, if they were in this soccer watch, if MLS were included in this, they would be ranked pretty high, I would imagine. I watched some of that match, and they're exciting. They create chances, and Joseph Martinez, Almiron, they're good. You would think Red Bulls would be up there before that game, because, I mean, they, what, they said they've been scoring a lot of goals all season, and they go in that game, and for whatever reason, the manager's like, let's pack it in, guys. Yeah. Let's let's do the opposite of what got us so much success this year. Micah, did you watch a minute of Atlanta, New York? First I leg? did watch a a minute. No, I'm kidding. It was actually uh, the first. Or did you at least watch the highlights? Because the Red Bulls had a goal disallowed. It seemed a little harsh. It was like a. It was again one of these things that's been creeping up this year. An offsides player not with the ball, but interfering with play or a judge to have. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. And I, I mean, like, it's just another one of those things that's just an unfortunate gray area in the rules where it's just up to the referee's discretion and it feels unjust whichever way the 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 decision falls um so i mean while it was disappointing i mean like i i, I can't really say that i felt one way or the other about it yeah well i think you predicted atlanta portland from ls cup right or atlanta kc i said atlanta well, no, sorry. I said Red Bulls, Casey, because it was the only choice that was left. <laughs> Not necessarily oh. based on any actual information. I said Red Bulls, Portland. Red Bulls, obviously. Well, I don't know. Shocker, they have a chance. 3-0 down. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> you just score one early. There's a chance. Maybe it's so fucking cold that, I don't know. Atlanta plays what? The Mercedes-Benz is what? Retractable dome, but it's usually like 70 degrees in there, right? So I, mean, I guess. Maybe there's like some home home pitch advantage with how cold does it get in Atlanta in November yeah I mean it gets pretty cold I guess I'm gonna say Atlanta's gonna advance Sporting KC Atlanta Sporting KC that'll be the MLS Cup final and MLS I might still go to the match thank you for the invite (laughs) Uh, also since we last recorded the final four of the Nations League is set Portugal Switzerland England Netherlands it's going to take place June 5th to 9th in Portugal. The draw for the semifinal matchups will be on December 3rd. Nations League, Micah, is it coming home? I think it is coming home. I, I can say with reasonable certainty that it's coming home. <laughs> you have no faith in the orange, Micah? In the Orania? No. I mean, like, Orania. not as long as they have Ryan Babel in their team. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to believe in the Netherlands resurgence. <laughs> Are you just mad because Ryan Babel swagger jacks your hair style? Um, Actually, his is his is hot his pink, is though. like yeah, his is hot pink. Mine is blonde. Yeah, true. Uh, it's an interesting final four though: Portugal, Switzerland, England, Netherlands. I'm kind of actually low key. I'm glad it's not like France, Germany, etc. It's like uh, you know, you got Sw- the Swiss in there. Well, it's all the teams that we bouncing m- back might have thought, with the exception of the Netherlands, uh, teams that you thought may have made a splash in the World Cup. Well, I guess it's besides the Netherlands and Switzerland. Uh, like, I mean, Portugal and England. Throw some respect on Granite Shaka and Zerdan Shakiri's name, Micah. Yeah, don't, the, don't, don't, it's, it's out, out that You quickly. missed this, but it's Albi- Albanian respect. Independence Day. So, oh, you're right. Uh, I, shout out to them. I'm doing an eagle in the, in the booth. <laughs> All right, just wrapping up. Some retirements to report in world football. DDA Drogba. Rep. A few days after a Chelsea fan, so. he a few days after he tweeted the video from uh whatchamacallit, Wolf of Wall Street, where Leonardo DiCaprio is just like, I'm not fucking leaving. And then he left. Sad. Wow, you follow a lot of players on social media, Micah. You always know what they're posting. You know, it's I I can't follow my favorite rappers on Twitter, so I have to follow my favorite footballers. And here I thought that Drogba was going to spend the next 20 years being the player owner of Phoenix Rising. <laughs> how, does, how is that? How, so is he still, he's still going to have some affiliation with the team, right? Well, he still owns part of the team. Right. Yeah. Him and Pete Wentz. And yeah, we have a story about that on The Ringer, right? We do. Check it out. Yeah. So Drogba retires at 40. His final tally, actually, for Chelsea, 164 goals in 381 appearances for Chelsea. And I think we mentioned this in a, in a previous episode, but Lukaku, I think, actually has more Premier League goals than Drogba. But it seems like Drogba has like five times as many goals just because he always scored the big goal. He was big in those moments. He was big in those moments. And in the Champions League, of course. Yeah. Also retiring, Andre Arshavin, age 37. Favorite Arshavin memory, Micah? 
Uh, <laughs> you don't I, have one, do no, you? No, I don't have one. What kind of question is that? <laughs> Here, here's my favorite memory. R7 against Barcelona. My favorite memory is confusing him as a child for Dimitar Berbatov. How, how is that even they possible? They look nothing alike. Uh, I didn't watch much Arsenal. <laughs> and uh, man with Russian sounding last name. He's actually Russian, so. Ashley Cole. Oh, Berbatov you're talking about. Yeah. Berb- so you thought that they were the same person or? No, I just like couldn't couldn't keep them straight. I was no, like, okay. oh, this is one and this is the other. They both score goals. It's fine. <laughs> Ashley Cole, not retiring, but he's also 37 years old. He was cut by the LA Galaxy. I heard he might go to the championship. I still have a soft spot for Ashley Cole. I mean, Ashaka's a Chelsea fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. Arsenal fans, for the most part, hate Ashley Cole, Cashley, aka, but I still <laughs> love Ashley Cole. You still love Ashley Cole. Yeah, I mean, he was great. I When I was reporting this Zlatan Ibrahimovic story I wrote a couple of weeks ago on TheRinger.com, check it out. Uh, I, I, you know, you, you smoked a cigarette with Ashley Cole? Is that what happened? Oh, yeah, no. We just spent like three hours together. <laughs> Vape, we, vaping? Yeah, we watched A Star is Born. It was really touching. <laughs> no, I, I just uh, kind of seeing him around the locker room, it kind of reminded me like, oh, you still do this. Uh, you're ostensibly pretty good at it, even though you're 37. Remember when, uh, didn't uh, Micah Patrice Evra turkey eater or oh, raw man. turkey eater he tried to come back he he did he, he try to come back with west ham last well year? he did try to come back with west ham this was after getting red carded before he even set foot on oh, the that's field right. marseille uh, was that yeah, marseille? marseille yeah um he did had try to have a brief comeback with west ham and then that didn't pan out and yeah, now he is um, doing the Salt Bay routine with raw turkey, <laughs> or uh, sorry, excuse me, raw chicken. I, I think that my favorite headline from the last week was just like a pull quote from Ever apologizing for that, just being like, when I sucked the chicken's toes, I went too far. <laughs> <laughs> the the best part about Patrice Evra's Wikipedia page is that there's no end cap on his France career. Because he technically hasn't retired from the national team yet, apparently. He just got banished for leading that revolt. Yeah. Uncle Pat. Could theoretically still get called back. You know, so wait, wait, everyone, and just wait How, how old is Patrice Evra? Petit, Patrice, Patrice Evra. Patrice Evra is also 37 years old. Wow. 37, having a moment. Yeah. I really I'll feel like forever, he should. I can't wait for his France testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> I will have forever a soft spot for Patrice Evra for befriending, befriending Park Ji Sung. Manchester United, those guys were like peas in a pod. And I think uh, he helped uh, Park Ji Sung really acclimate to England. I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's although he is absolutely ridiculous and his career is fizzling out in a weird way, I'd love Patrice Ever all the same. Oh, actually, there was also, we're spending a lot of time on Patrice Ever, but it reminded me when he was like a pundit in the World Cup. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, the female footballer, I forget her name, was saying some kind of analysis uh, about a team. And he just like stared at her and was like patronizingly saying like, I can't believe you actually know anything about football. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough look. That's yeah. not great. Really, but she's always had a lot of tough looks, great. but he's still lovable. <laughs> uh, finally, or not finally, I have one more thing after this, but Sol Campbell, Arsenal legend, has taken over as manager of League Two bottom team, Macclesfield Town. Actually, uh, Micah, I was talking to you about my FIFA career using not Macclesfield Town, but Mansfield Town. And you had a little anecdote about it, right? Oh, yeah. My, my brother played for Mansfield Town for a brief time. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And this is just, just pure just, coincidence. I was just telling Micah, yeah, I just took over a League Two team in my FIFA career. It's called Mansfield Town. And that's the team that my, I mean, it was like fate that I should choose them. Mike, I've known you for now going on almost two years, and you've not once in that time mentioned that your brother played professional soccer. There's a lot of things you don't know about my personal life, man. I only share hey, so much. Yo. <laughs> hey, yo. I leave Los Angeles for two weeks, and already I'm on the outs. How did you, wow. How far did your brother get with Mansfield Town? Did he, did he play for them? Oh, or youth I team, mean, trials? Yeah, I mean, like he like he played for them. I couldn't, I honestly could not tell you the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean... Are you he, sure it was Mansfield, not Macclesfield? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was Mansfield Town. It wasn't Macklemore. <laughs> was sure, Ryan Lewis there? I'm sure it was not. It, you know what? Now that you mention it, it might have been Macklemore. <laughs> I don't know. Finally, this is for real. Finally, a Copa Libertadores. I said that right, right? Copa Libertadores. I said it a few times last episode. I don't know. Do it, Shocker. Copa Libertadores. Update. 
So <laughs> the first leg was 2-2. The second leg was supposed to be played on a Saturday. Uh, River Plate fans bombarded the Boca Junior team bus with rocks, uh, other projectiles. Or some broken glass, some broken some glass pepper spray. Yeah, yeah and then police Carlos fought back Tevez with pepper spray. pepper spray. Yeah. People got glass cuts. It was gnarly. Essentially, they kept postponing the game that day. Then they postponed it to the next day. And then the next day they didn't play. And so now it's still up in the air. But reports are that the second leg will be played on either December 8th or 9th, I believe. And I think the latest I heard or I read, Grant Wall tweeted this. The game will either be in Doha or Asuncion. That's the capital of Paraguay. And that's only if Boca agrees to play. Because right now it seems like... uh, the Boca president is intimating that he might keep his team out of the second leg. So Brian Phillips, shout out Brian Phillips, had a great article about, I guess it was more like, it was about the second leg, uh, the postponement, about soccer, about violence, kind of a philosophical rumination on the relation between sport and violence. But I don't know. I, I had read that there was a possibility that the game would be played in Miami. But what do you guys think they should do for this second leg? I'll start with you, Micah. Um, I mean, like moving it to a neutral location is the only thing that you can conceivably do with it. I mean, if you've watched so Doha any- or Asuncion, which would, uh, Doha is of course in Qatar, Qatar, Asuncion is in Paraguay, but it's like a 15 hour drive. I think, I think it should be Buenos in Aires. Paraguay. I think Doha is a little overkill. Uh, I think that I would say that Asuncion is probably the, 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 the venue that the game should be played at, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like that's that's all. That's the only making it a further drive for for any fan that would actually want to see the game is the only way that you can do it. And there'll be, it won't be the, I guess, the showcase of Argentine football that it was supposed to be. It's it can't be now. But yeah, I mean, like so, I would say, Asuncion. Yeah, I I'd still like it to be played. In Argentina, but obviously that's not going to happen because of the violence. I, I kind of come in line where Brian Phillips did at the end of his piece where he basically just said, you know, if the Boca and River fans can't attend the game, it'll probably go off without a hitch. But taking humans out of the equation is not really a lasting substitute for trying to understand human nature. There this is – yeah, I mean it, he – I took those words right out of his piece. I mean it, it's straight on. It's There's a lot of passion there and trying to assume that the answer is – you know, let's move away from it entirely and not understand the violence there. It's probably not the best move. It's a short-term fix for a long-term problem. But, you know, the game's got to be played, I guess. Wow, Shocker getting deep on us. Oh, you know me. Mr. Philosophical over here. <laughs> well, actually, it was like, you know, Brian Phillips getting deep on us. I yes. mean, like, it's, it's, it's me started quoting. writing an essay about soccer <laughs> listen, and listen. ended up talking about the human condition. <laughs> yeah. Listen, good writers borrow from other writers. Great writers steal outright. <laughs> My vote is for a wintry Thursday night at Red Bull Arena. <laughs> so you can go to both games to do a doubleheader. <laughs> <want> a doubleheader. <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you, Shocker, for joining us and breaking down the soccer watchability rankings. Thanks for having me, man. First cap, but, first cap, but I'm sure there'll be more. And Micah, thank you as always. Of course. We will be back in two weeks. See you then. Peace. Peace.